today's reading comes from Matthew 5, 24. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Well, good morning, church. Now, I'm, I'm just apologising to begin with that I'm sitting down. Um, for those you know, I've, I've been struggling with a bit of vertigo, and I'm better, but like... Um, if I fell over during the sermon, that's done. The sermon's all over, and um, every now and again, I feel like the world's turning a little bit to the left. And so I went, oh, just to be safe, I'll sit down during the service, because like I have been in a service before where someone's fallen down during the sermon. You just give up right then and and, and move on to whatever else you've got to do. So, But the thing is, as we, um, as we look at um, this idea of, 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 of knowing the way and following the way that God is talking about, um, we're into week two and we're looking at light the way. And and the thing is, I suppose when it comes to giving directions these days, the world has changed. Um, most of us, um, maybe not all of us, would might be go, hey, Siri or hey, Google, can I have the directions to this? We don't even look it up manually. We call it out. And um, But there was a day, and maybe some of you are still like this, when it comes to um, giving directions that um, maybe you're someone that gives directions with a life story or someone's giving you directions with a life story. Hey, how do you get to this uh, their house? Well, first of all, you go down the street. I actually lived on that street when I was a little kid. And then you turn left. And like I used to run all the way around that street when I was a little kid. There was even no houses there. You could actually see this. And all of a sudden, you get this full story and you go, at the end of it, going, I know I've got to turn left. After that, I'm not sure. Um, some people are very efficient with giving directions. Two rights, one left, um, do a U-turn, and then you'll be right there. You go, from where? Where am I leaving from? All that kind of stuff. Um, some people are very visual. They go, you'll go down and you'll see a big tree. When you see the big tree, make sure you go past the next left, and then on the second left, you'll turn left, and there's a red house right there, and you'll go up the, and you'll go up the, about 500 metres, and then you'll see a field of yellow flowers on the right, and they give you all the description so you can find your way there. Um, some people will draw you a map. Um, get out a map, and they'll put X marks the spot, and they'll sort of like go, oh, here's, here's like... Um, Here's the house and here's the road you turn off. And they won't write down all the streets. They'll just write down the streets that you need to know and go, this one you turn left on. And and sometimes you look at the map and going, um, I'm, I've got more chance of finding treasure than finding a house with this map. But what about someone that, and maybe even for some of you, and I've done this before, there's somewhere I've been before. Maybe I've been there at night and I've used a map to get there at night, used my Google and it's taken me there. And the next time I go there, I know where it is. I don't need to look it up. And I get there and go, do I turn here or do I turn the next one? Is it this house or is it that house? And I've been to people's houses and I go, I don't recognize the house. I'm hoping this is the one that I'm not going to go knock on a stranger's door. And, and sometimes you've got to double check, okay, is this the place I'm meant to be? But in all of this, there's every opportunity to actually get very mixed up, skip um, or totally misread a step, and you get lost. 
you get lost. Now, when you get lost, the last thing you want to do is to ring up the person's place you're going to and going, hey, I'm here. Where? How do I get to your place? And so sometimes what you want to do, you want to kind of cover up your your inability to get to where you need to get to. And in so doing, you, you ring someone else up. So maybe I'm wanting to go see someone from church and I can't find their address. I'll ring up Dave. Hey, Dave, what's their address? How do you get there? I just haven't been there before. And so Dave, in all good nature, gives me all their directions again. Hopefully it will help because maybe I'm, I'm in the ballpark at that point in time. And I get there and I don't look like a fool. But sometimes we're left in the position, whether we're asking uh, uh, asking a friend on the side or asking the person directly saying, hey, I'm lost and I can't get to where I need to get to without some help. And, and chances are that all of us at some point in time, whether it's driving, whether it's finding our way around a shop, uh, whether it's doing this or that, the other thing, we have all been lost. And at some point in time, you've, you've got to ask for help. Like I get to the point when I walk into some shops these days, I'm lost as I walk in the door. So I just go to the help desk. I need to find this. Where do I go? I'm not going to spend an hour or so looking for this because I've got no idea and I'm going to walk around in circles. Half the time they say, we don't have that in stock anymore or we're all out. I'm going, okay, good, because I don't want to spend all that time looking for it. But you need to ask for help. And Basically, when we get that help, when they sort of show us exactly where we need to get to, or um, even if they jump in the car with us and drive along with us and go, oh, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're exactly where we need to be. Um, and in our passage today, now on that, um, you guys have, have got an advantage because you've actually heard the Bible reading for next week's sermon that was meant to be today that wasn't today. So you're ahead of the game. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew uh, 5, 13 to 20. So, um, so we'll pick up a few verses from that. But you're already, you've already been entrenched with next week's Bible passage. So I'm going to come with questions for you. Um, so that's going to be good. But in our passage today, um, Jesus identifies all kinds of people who are lights for others. And it makes perfect sense that Jesus would be able to rightly identify this particular type of person, an expert who can help guide others when they are lost. And, and, and in a way, like that's, that's what we are meant to be as a church. We are meant to help others who are lost. We are meant to be light. Um, we, are, we are meant to be guideposts for people to find. The problem is that the kinds of people who Jesus thinks are experts don't have any training or credentials to lead others, or at least none that we know of. We actually go back to the start of chapter 5 and we go through the Beatitudes, which was a couple of weeks ago. He's talking about the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the hungry, the thirsty. He calls them the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so Jesus is actually looking at these people and saying, these are the people who are going to be the lights for the people who are needing guidance. And this is, so straight away, what I want you to realize, and I'm not talking to a few people here today who are going, you know what, this person and that person, and that person, they are examples of what we need to do. So they are our lights. They shine brightly. We don't need anyone else, or I could never be like them. Jesus actually says very much the opposite. He says, well, all of us 
need to be lights. All of us need to be people that are ready to guide others. Um, and in in um, when we sort of start looking at it, um, we we look at verses 13 to 16, and it it talks about this idea. Um, it has this you in there, and so sometimes we see see you in the Bible, and it, we sort of like it's a singular you. But in this passage, it's a it's a, a double. Um, second person plural noun. So that's for the teachers that are out there, you're probably loving this right now. For the other people going, I have no idea what you're talking about. So let me explain it. I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb it down for you. I'm gonna dumb and this is how I'm gonna dumb it down. I'm gonna dumb it down for you all. Y'all. Okay, we're gonna go a bit we're gonna go about southern Texas, y'all. It's actually a group sort of um um saying. And so Jesus is saying, You're the you're all the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, and your people that Jesus is referring to are all those um, people that are mentioned in verses 2 to 12. So again, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers. He's talking about those people. And so it's a collective group. Again, it's not elevating this leader and this leader to go, you are meant to do the work. We're meant to sort of sit in, in your brightly presence. No, you all need to switch yourselves on because you're meant to be light as well. And so, so we see that in, in verses um, 13 to 16. But then we jump down and we see the first phrase that um, Jesus uses on the crowd here that is very important for us to know, and that's the salt of the earth. Um, it's an expression used to describe someone who is honest, hardworking, and down to earth. It refers to the idea that salt is a basic and essential ingredient and that people who are salt of the earth are similarly fundamentally and valuable members of society. Again, this would have been a real shocking revelation because, again, Jesus has just talked about the meek, the poor. He's talked about this group of people and saying, you're salt of the earth. You are what the earth needs to be seasoned by. And so in that, it's talking about this person being someone who is dependable and reliable, um, trustworthy, and that they have a sense of stability and integrity to the people around them. So again, not only is he saying that you're salt of the earth, but it's saying that you will definitely impact somebody. You will definitely have um, an influence over people around you. Um, Going even further, it's important to remember that salt has been an important commodity throughout history. It's likely that, that it was used for a variety of purposes in the time of Jesus. Some of them are preservation of food. You put salt on food, they didn't have fridges, and so that was one way they kept food longer. Seasoning. Um, for some of you, salt is the only thing that can save your meal. Um, because it, it, it's, it's, maybe it's terrible. And you're, okay, it's, it's now blackened. I'll just add some salt and that'll make it better. Um, for some of you, like you want to add all these other different things involved as well, but salt is a seasoning. It's also got uh, medicinal uses. So if you've got wounds, you can put your foot in salt water and things like that. The funny thing is I was thinking about the different things, like it's used for preserving food, it's used for seasoning food, and then it's used for health reasons. I'm going, if you're in a cannibal nation, you would struggle to know which one it was used for at which time because if they're seasoning with your salt, it may not be for health reasons. They, they might be want to eat that leg a little bit later. But it's also then got religious and cultural sort of significance. Um, salt was considered a symbol of purity. 
um, and was often used as religious rituals, um, such as the Jewish uh, ceremony of the covenant of salt. And then it was something that could be traded very easily. It was something that was in high demand. Um, in fact, I reckon if you ever had someone come over and you didn't have salt on the table at dinner time, someone will ask for it. Someone is guaranteed. Have you got some salt? Um, and the thing is, you could have the most seasoned bit of food in the world that's been seasoned perfectly. Maybe you've seasoned some meat overnight and, and some marinade or whatever else. Someone will still ask for salt. And some of you know who you are right now. You are the salt-asking person. Some of you are on the receiving end of that. But salt has got this valuable thing. And so Jesus is using this phrase to talk about this, this new way, this new community wants to go, I want you to be salt of the earth. I, I want you to have um, something that will preserve. I want you to be something, uh, a group of people that will seize in the world around you. I want you to be have that social medical sort of influence where you actually are involved in healing people of, of social and emotional and even sometimes physical needs that they may have. And so uh, Jesus is speaking to this crowd, elevating this group of people that may not be normally elevated, the, the meek, the poor, the, the peacemakers. And he's elevating them. And what a feeling for that group of people at this point in time to say, do you know what? I've got something to add because of Jesus in me to the world around me. That is something that I need you to hear today. You have something to add to the world around you because Jesus is in you. And because of what he's done in you, you will become more and more salty to the world around you. You, would, you will have the ability to, to preserve. You'll have the ability to, to season those around you, to see healing in them because of Jesus in you. There is nothing at this point in time that will disqualify you from being salt of the earth if Jesus is in you. And so if you come up with a reason going, but I can't do that, not being, not being rude to you, but you are wrong. Why? Because the Bible says you are the salt of the earth when Jesus is in you. The second thing, and, and I suppose because of that, what you need to understand is that you are necessary and that you are needed. If the church, and, and Jesus talks about this later on, if, 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 if we lose our saltiness, the salt gets thrown out. If the church loses its saltiness, what good is the church? And so we need to be people that are salty because of what Jesus is doing in our lives. The next thing we look at, the next phrase is the light of the world. Um, and, and again, firstly, Jesus is our light. Jesus is our guide. He's someone that we can look to each time. But I suppose the way I'd like to describe it is that we become reflectors of the light that God gives us. Um, and I'm not sure about you, like when... and when you go into one of those places and it's got all those different concave sort of curves and shiny lens, all of a sudden it reflects off everything and it just goes everywhere. I think that's what we're meant to do. Jesus is the light and he shines in us and all of a sudden we're blinding people with what Jesus is doing in, in our lives. Um, Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I, I don't know about you, but have you ever 
you've, maybe you've flown in somewhere, maybe you've driven in somewhere, and it's especially like it's you can see it up north here because often you'll drive long stretches and it's just dark. And all of a sudden you'll see a small town or a small sort of sort of city and all of a sudden it lights up that space. And if it's if it's a place that you're getting to, all of a sudden I'm almost there. It can't be hidden. Like and, and in fact, like it just it, it sort of draws you in. You go, Oh, it's not that far now. And 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 even if you're flying, because often when you're flying, you look out the window and you'll see one light here or one light there, maybe a bit of moon shining on the ocean or something like that. And all of a sudden, you'll see the city that you're getting to and go, I'm almost there. It can't be hidden. Now, this statement, uh, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, can be understood in a few different ways. But the one possible interpretation is that Jesus is saying to his disciples, and by extension, all the believers, that they have a responsibility to spread the message of God's love and salvation to others. So it's like... We, we can't hide this light. We need to make sure it's... And, and I think even though Jesus says you can't hide the light, I think some of us try to do that. Like, we just don't want that attention. Like, but what if I'm not a good Christian? They'll see, they'll, they'll see me living in a way that's not good. Well, then they'll see you confess your sins and ask for forgiveness and, and live in grace, which what people need to see as well. But sometimes we go, well, that's not my job to do. And so we spend all the time taping up the windows of our lives so the light of Christ won't shine out. And so there's a responsibility given to the disciples and the believers and, and those who are called to be kingdom livers here to basically we need to spread the message of God's love and salvation to others. By living a life that reflects the teachings of Jesus, the light of Jesus, they can be a shining example of righteousness and goodness to those who are lost and can help to guide people towards a deeper understanding of God. The metaphor of light also brings a sense of direction and purpose as light illumines the way and helps us find their way in darkness. Like anyone have to go out to that dark place at their house, take the bin out or something like that, and maybe you're like, can someone turn the light on? Now you know what's there. There's a cement path. You walk this way to the left, and you know the bin's somewhere there. But what else could be out there? Frogs, snakes, snakes eating frogs, or even worse, frogs eating snakes. That would be really freak me out if I walked upon, upon that. But there could be a cockroach you stand on. There could be something slimy that's dropped out of the bottom of the bag. You don't know it's dropped out of the bottom of the bag. So you want light to guide you. And so light actually provides this metaphor as well. And, and, and basically... The city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's meant to be sort of something that is helping guide people to where they need to get to. Um, and in doing that, people are filled with encouragement and purpose because of what Jesus is teaching. But if we live out that teaching, people can look to us as we look to Jesus for guidance in life. He's asking his disciples to be visible and evident present in the world um, not to hide their faith or keep it to themselves, but to let it shine and be known. Um, the, Apostle, the Apostle Paul picks up on the same idea in Philippians 2, uh, verses 15 and 16. He says, You may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the skies as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
Paul is basically just saying it in a different way, saying the way that we live, the way that we live on purpose with God, all of a sudden we will actually go against the culture and that we will shine in the world in which we live. We cling to Jesus. We shine the light of the gospel because we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth. But this becomes important because we need to light the way for others. Um, Jesus is calling his disciples both then and now to be a gospel influence in the world and to share the message of salvation. Now, we do that with our words. We do that with our actions. We do that often Monday to Saturday when the Sunday service is not on. And that's why the church, the church is not defined by this hour or this hour and a half on a Sunday morning. The church is always in existence because the church is always bearing the light of Christ, bearing that into the world around us. So when do your words and your actions light the way for others? Where can you encourage others in the gospel? Where can you shine this week? Where can you love others like Jesus has loved? These are questions we keep at the top of our mind as we follow Jesus through life. And when you feel discouraged or frustrated, as you most certainly will at some point, remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. He is the promise come to life, raised from the dead, interceding at the right hand of God on your behalf, and you can trust him. I want to look at a few verses in the last passage um, as we wrap up today. Verse, first of all, Matthew 5:17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to abolish, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And Jesus goes on to say, For I truly tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear. Um, from the law until everything is accomplished. And so here Jesus is talking about is the completion of his mission, the completion of his message. Um, and so we, we actually see Jesus going, well, because in, in that mix you've got the lowly of society that Jesus is speaking to. He's got his disciples. He's also got Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, they they kind of made the law and they added to it exponentially. Like they there was an extra thousand rules. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, you, like what you can and can't do on a Sunday, what you can't, well, the Saturday for them, but what you can and can't do with food, what you can and can't do with, with other things, all of a sudden, like knowing I would have been worried that I would mess up in some way. Like I, I just... Like I would have had to spend each day worried about what I'm doing in a righteous way. And again, that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says, I've come to fulfill the law. He's actually come to fulfill the law. And when we go back to it, when we see Jesus say, what is the most two important commandments? Love Lord with everything you've got and love others as yourself. So he's talking about the fulfillment of that law. And then we come to verse 20. And this is a scary verse if you read it in isolation and you don't understand it. It says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This actually becomes a verse that clarifies what Jesus is talking about here because when we read that verse, it's not about making sure that you are following 90% of the law or 95% of the law or 99% of the law or maybe some of you out there following 100% of the law. 
The Pharisees were doing that. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness is way beyond theirs, you will never be good enough for heaven. Jesus is not saying that living righteously comes from your good deeds. He is saying our righteousness comes from the righteousness of Christ living in that. Does that mean we live in a right way? Yes. But the source of that is Jesus Christ. And he wipes us clean. He makes us pure. He, he readies us to live on fire with the fruit that his spirit brings. All this goes to say, you don't have to be a PhD. You don't have to be a rabbi. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to have a, a leadership role in, in your local church. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. Some of you may. That's great. Um, it will not help you be light better than what Jesus is already doing in your life. Jesus is calling the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the hungry, the thirsty, the persecuted, and others. He's calling all of us. You are the salt of the earth. You are valuable and your story matters. Shine bright in the world in which you live and let the gospel reflect through you and your life as their lost find their way and sinners are saved. What a challenge to have that when we let God shine in our life, we become salt and light so that others may come to Christ themselves. That's our challenge. Let's pray. Lord, let us first know you and to follow your light in our lives. May we know you through your word, may we know you through our times of prayer. Um, And then let us light the way for others to see your light. Let us shine brightly in a world of darkness so that others may find their way back to you. Amen. Amen.